welcome to another episode of The Blockument. Crypto education through everyday conversation. And yeah. I'm getting our tagline down so good, I don't even you get are. very tongue twisted anymore. I saw that, the confidence in your eyeballs. Yeah, I'm not looking at my screen <laughs> to cheat or nothing. Um, what's going on, everyone? My name is Nate Talbot. I'm the executive director of Detroit Blockchain Center. And to the right of me is the <laughs> wonderful, fantabulous, ever learning, expanded brain. Oh, my, look at this. Got any more adjectives to throw? at me that's right <laughs> um well i am ashley rose <laughs> i am your everyday mother your average gal um i am an online reseller and i'm on a journey to figure out what all of this crypto blockchain peer-to-peer open source tech yeah. space is you like that i do like that i do well, like that <laughs> how is uh how is your journey coming Coming along great. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know what makes it better? What's that? Breakfast bourbon. <laughs> Breakfast bourbon brought to you by bourbon. Yeah. Your we favorite bourbon no maker. Free no, no, no free ads, but we're drinking but it's it. Bourbon. It's bourbon. It's yeah. not just, it's yeah. not what the cup says. You can guess what we're drinking if you want. You can hit us up on our socials and you can guess what we're drinking today. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a new game. We, yeah. I mean, you do make that a game. Throw some sats. You like at, that? Uh, I'm just full who of them the today. Right. You are. Yeah, look at me go. It's you that are. bourbon. It is the bourbon. It is the bourbon. We're, uh, when are we right now? When are we? Yes, yes. We are, let's see here. We are at block number 809,160. Oh, you got seven? I have 66. Oh, there Uh-oh. we go. 67. Refresh. Nope, 67. Okay, 809,167. Uh-huh. That block size is 1.27 megabytes, which is comprised of 1,979 transactions. All right. That was produced 12 minutes ago, so that's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, let's see here. The total subsidies and fees that were won on that were 6.675 Bitcoin, and that is comprised of 177,610 U.S. dollars. U.S. dollars. Yeah. And the miners that won that is Antpool. Antpool in the house. Antpool. Winning them blocks. Yeah. All right. Um, so you said 12 minutes ago. That was interesting. What's the, what's the interesting with the 12 minutes? Um, well, the last time, I believe, when we were live, uh, it was, they were, like, going at, like, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and it's, it seems like it's speeding up a little. And why do you think that is? Last time we recorded, just for the record, was, um, the live show was about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think it's sped up? We sort of talked about it then. Um, the, what was your answer? I want to hear you, what you had to say. Is it more transactions happening? She said, more? is it more transactions happening? No. I don't believe that is the answer. Um, I think the answer is that the difficulty level was recalculated. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. <laughs> Every 2016 blocks. I'm going to write that down. 2016 blocks. The difficulty readjustment happens on the Bitcoin blockchain. So it goes and looks at how how many people are mining, basically. It looks at the hash power. Mm-hmm. It looks at how long uh, sort of the time between each block has been taken. 
it wants to the Bitcoin network naturally wants to keep that number at about ten minutes. So if it notices the average time is above ten minutes, mm-hmm. it'll make the difficulty that much easier. So yeah. it's not as hard to guess that number. And if that's going too quick, if the blocks are happening every six minutes, eight minutes, if they got a bunch that are happening sort of within the first couple minutes, mm-hmm. it'll make the difficulty harder. So um, the average time is 10 minutes. So if it recalculated, it should be more near 10 minutes now. Um, it's still at 14 minutes. or it, it increased to 14 minutes, so it's interesting to mm-hmm. see how it will play out. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so the next one is in about nine days. And so like where we read all this stuff, if you go to mempool.space, mm-hmm. or even better, if you run your own Bitcoin node, yes. download the open source version of mempool.space, mm. and that way you can run it locally. You don't have to trust mempool.space per se. Run that down too. You can just run the software off your own computer, which will look at your own node and give you all the data that your node sees. Is it um, going to look exactly like the mempool.space does? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah? That's kind of cool, and it'll have your own information. But it's it's information coming from your node. Right now, we're, right. you're trusting information coming from their node. Right. Like, right? A, like, a, cons- like a consensus? Or just well, your their- node runs off a of consensus, but right now, it's like saying, hey, Nate, what's the weather outside? Mm-hmm. Well, I could go outside and measure it, and now I know, mm-hmm. but you're trusting me. Right. Versus you could just stick your own hand out the window with a thermostat and see what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And get your own reading. Very good. Um, So, tied with all of that, what are we talking about today? Um, What are ordinals anyways? What are ordinals anyway? But yes. like, really, what are they? No, really. <laughs> like, what What the hell? Um, so I avoided this topic for the longest because you've been asking me for a very long time. Yeah, we can't um, escape it today. But the reason I have been avoiding it is because I wasn't... The purpose of this show, all of our shows, mm-hmm. is to give provide long-term valuable um, information to the listeners, right? Yeah, that will like with, with, withstand the test of time. It withstands the test of time, right? If you listen to our show, I don't want to talk about something today that's not going to be a thing in nine months, and then you, the listener, just starts hearing it nine mm-hmm. months from now, we're talking about something that's irrelevant, right? Mm-hmm. That's good for history, but there's a lot of shows that already do that. Mm-hmm. So you can get context on sort of the pop culture yeah. of the space. But it's kind of lasted a long time. Well, that's why I'm very open to the question now. <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere in I don't know that it's going to be a forever thing. I'm hoping something better comes along and you'll understand why <laughs> maybe after this conversation. Yeah. Um, but it's here long enough. And one of the reasons, something you might have noticed over the past, um, let's see, we've been doing this show just over a year now, right? Re- over a year? Or about wow. a year. It's been. Cl- it's coming up close to a year. If it hasn't been a year, you think we would know that? Nope. But yeah, here yeah. we are. Here we are. Um, yeah. So we started, you know, you can let us know. <laughs> yeah, we started like October and November of 2022, mm-hmm. and so we're in what? September. S- oh. Well, see, in <laughs> my life, like, mm. the way I work, yeah, every day is a calendar, Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have no concept of time. He's so we, we're actually coming calendar. up. We're coming up on our one year. So we'll have to do something special. <laughs> um, but anyway, the uh, there was a point to that ramble. Um, Doubtful. <laughs> right. Uh, ordinals. Uh, you might have noticed since we first started that 
the amount of fees getting mm. paid in the block mm-hmm. and how deep, again, if you go to mempool.space, I don't know, do we have the uh, screen up for anybody who's watching or if you're listening, when you get a chance, you know, we we, we uh, broadcast uh, live on YouTube. I don't know if we're live today, but we broadcast on YouTube, so you can always go on YouTube and check it out um, and see what I'm talking about. But if you come to um, mempool.space, if you go there, as soon as the page loads, you'll have the string of blocks up top. Half of them will be purple. Half of them will be like orange. The orange half are <laughs> future like blocks. You look like a pukey brown to me, but whatever. No, pukey brownish orange. <laughs> um, the ones on, that are orange, because you can switch sides, so I won't say left or right, but um, the ones that are orange are blocks that have not been mined yet. This is what mempool.space, based on their node, this is what they think the next block is likely to look like, right? Mm-hmm. Um... There was a point to all that. Um, what was my point? <laughs> Some about you noticed since we started. You would have um, noticed. <laughs> you would have noticed. Um, now, now we've reached the point of too much breakfast bourbon. <laughs> it's never too much bourbon. Now we are at the <laughs> point of just enough. <laughs> so the um, when we started this side, the the brownish side. <laughs> only went maybe most days two to five blocks deep now it goes even deeper so we'll see it goes that two four six seven plus an extra 187 blocks so you got about 190 something blocks deep of future transactions so what that means is the mempool Right, and this is all tied to sort of our conversation today. I'm not just rambling. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, there's a lot. There's a lot more blocks. There's a lot more people waiting for a transaction to go through. Right. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the mempool will get really deep. Right. And remember, Bitcoin's a gossip network. Right. Right. It's a gossip protocol. So every time I send you Bitcoin, if I send you some Sats, all I'm doing when I hit send on my on my wallet. All I'm doing is saying, hey, I want to send Ash 10,000 sats. I'm just yelling that really loud, and I'm hoping a miner hears that. Mm-hmm. So if a miner hasn't heard it yet, it sits in the mempool. Okay. That's what the mempool is. It's mm-hmm. just everybody screaming. Think of like the, if you watch yeah. like the 80s stock movies. Yeah. And they're all on the floor like, hey, I'm sell, buy, sell, 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 sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically what the mempool is, right? Okay. And we all want a miner to hear us pick us up pick us up and throw it in a block and hopefully that miner wins the block right Mm -hmm. or hopefully multiple miners hear us and pick us up so the next miner that wins the block will include our transaction right so usually in in times of high volatility the mempool will get really deep a lot of people in there yelling Mm -hmm. but then there's times where it's not really highly volatile and so the the ones that weren't getting picked up there's not many trans that's not as many transactions going so they could go and the the mempool get smaller right so Mm -hmm. it's an expanding contracting thing Mm -hmm. well um several months ago uh this thing happened (laughs) and what is last year well two things happened last year Bitcoin went through a major soft fork, right? A major change to the consensus protocol piece of Bitcoin, right? Uh, what um, that? that was called Taproot. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay? Um, and Taproot allowed you to do some extra cool things 
inside of Bitcoin, right? Not too many people use that yet, but it allowed you to do some things. The last major change before that was way back in 2016. That was the last major soft fork. Okay. And that included this thing called SegWit, mm. right? SegWit is what, if you ever use the Lightning Network on Bitcoin, SegWit is the reason the Lightning Network works, okay. right? They made that change and that allowed the Lightning Network to exist. And that allowed you, basically it did that because it allows you to, um, SegWit allows you to virtually add extra space inside of a block. So every week you read off the block size, like this block is 1.8 megs. Right. Well, technically speaking, on the Bitcoin Core Protocol, a, a block can only be one meg. Okay. Right? Yeah. So SegWit, this happened during the block size wars, SegWit was sort of this compromise. And it's like, all right, well, we can theoretically make every block two megs mm -hmm. using this little feature called SegWit. And we won't get into the details of how that works. Okay. At this point, just know that you can get up to two megs into a block now using SegWit. Um, and then me, who doesn't maybe doesn't like SegWit, I don't want to have my blocks being two megs, mm -hmm. I can just ignore any SegWit stuff. It doesn't invalidate the transactions, but I can choose from my node just not to read the SegWit portion. I only want to read the one meg, the, the technical, ooh, the technical <laughs> solid um, stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so are we clear on that? Yeah. This is all very important to understanding yeah. what yes, yes, yes. the next parts. Okay. So SegWit happened a while later, a few years later, Taproot happened. Mm -hmm. Taproot, once again, one of the pieces, Taproot was like this bulk of different things. Right, and they just lifted all of them and called it Taproot. Okay. There's multiple things it could do. One of those things was once again virtually doubling the block space again. So now to four. So now you could theoretically, when you're reading off your blocks, you could you might say, "Oh, today's block is 3.2 megs." Right. Right. I've, I think we've I think we've read one that was. You big have like read that. one like that before, right? Um, and again, that's that's based off of this extra feature that Taproot allows that that exploits some of the features that SegWit allowed. And again, as a user, you can say, this is why there's soft forks, not hard forks, mm -hmm. right? A soft fork means it's backwards compatible. I, as a user, maybe I don't want the Taproot upgrade. Right. I can tell my node, ignore all those yeah. new rules Taproot allows. Right. So if if you send a transaction to my node that uses Taproot, my node will just ignore it. But if you don't use Taproot, right, and you mm -hmm. just stick with the, all the other Bitcoin rules, my node will accept the transaction and be like, all right, that's valid. Okay. But it doesn't even know what a Taproot is because mm -hmm. I haven't, I told it to but ignore it. Taproot leverages SegWit. Correct. Okay, so it's like an well, extension cord plugged into an extension cord. Yeah, and I don't like even know that. if leverages is the right word, but they're build, you can think of it like building blocks okay. instead of direct connections, just more like building blocks. You need the core Bitcoin block to work, or okay. SegWit doesn't matter. Okay. And then you put SegWit on top of that, and then you need SegWit there sort of for taproot block to sit properly, like a wedge. Okay. And now taproot works. So they build off each other, but they're not directly Does that compromise connected. any of the trilemma items? No. Okay. Um, go check out our trilemma episode if you want to know what the hell she just <laughs> said. Um, 
<laughs> so, um, we're clear on those points, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Actually, more clear than I've ever been about those things. So. Nice. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> um, now, the whole point. So, what the hell is an ordinal? Yes. Okay. The, the reason of me bringing this up is you will have noticed since we started recording last year mm -hmm. that not only have there been more transactions... Right. There, there's been more transaction fees in the block. You're saying in every block, okay. the blocks are getting bigger. Right. Both of those things can directly be attributed to the ordinals craze. Right. Uh, yeah. I've, you've right. mentioned it before. Yeah. Right. So what are ordinals? Yes. Ordinals is a misnomer, sort of. Ordinals is a thing. But when people say ordinals, they're really talking about two different things. Okay? okay. There's ordinals and then there's inscriptions. Okay. Okay. Ordinals don't even really matter. Like they matter for inscriptions to work, but they don't really matter. This it's this abstract idea, and I'm going to get to why and all that. But when I'm when I when I'm very picky on which word you use, yeah. this is going to be why. Okay. Ordinals is this thing that sits outside of Bitcoin. Right. It's outside. Okay. It, it utilizes Bitcoin to function and do its thing, but it has no direct effect on Bitcoin. You don't need it. Didn't nobody change the Bitcoin code to to make ordinals work? There's nothing you can change in your node to refuse an ordinal. Okay. Because it's outside of the Bitcoin network. Okay. 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 Then there are inscriptions. Inscriptions utilize the thing that ordinals do, and we'll get to that. Okay. Inscriptions utilize what ordinals do to cram information into the Bitcoin blockchain. So inscriptions absolutely have an effect on Bitcoin, right? Okay, so inscriptions utilize what ordinals do to cram information into, into the, the, blockchain. the blockchain. Correct. So take that as a very high-level overview of what happens without understanding anything of the whys or hows, yeah, okay. right? So we're talking about two different things. So in our conversation, I'm like, that's not an ordinal or that's an inscription. This is why. They're two different things and words matter sometimes, right? And sometimes they get confused with each other. Is that why you're making Well, the... most people say the same thing. And again, they might be talking about one thing, but they're, mm -hmm. talking, they're saying something else. And now when you're trying to communicate something, mm -hmm. you're getting lost in the sauce because yeah. we're having two different conversations. Right, right, right. And so the big thing about Bitcoin, right, and just... Whether any of this, before we dive into it, and we're about to dive into it, I swear, <laughs> um, there's a big debate like, should we allow ordinals? Should we stop ordinals from happening? Should we, what should we do about inscriptions? Is it a problem? Isn't it a problem? Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about ordinals, well, there's no way you can stop ordinals. I was going to say it's outside, yeah. It's outside of Bitcoin. Stopping ordinals is like stopping trees. Yeah. The Bitcoin protocol has just as likely chance to do either because it has no control control over either okay what you mean to say if you're one of those people you want to stop inscriptions mm, okay right um because inscriptions could find a different way to happen even if you stopped ordinals yeah. it could pop up someplace else and you still end up with that same problem yeah. in my right? head right now i'm thinking inscriptions encryptions it's kind of that's a good way to kind of like it's a good tie together yeah <laughs> all right so let's talk about what's what and we're going to start with ordinals because that's the important part that okay. sort of drives all of this yes so ordinals is just a numbering theory numbering it's theory. called ordinal theory right okay. and it's not unique to bitcoin but there's um a guy who works at uh 
I think he works for Stacks, which is like this layer two side chain of Bitcoin. He developed ordinals theory when it comes to Bitcoin. And it's just a numbering game, right? And so, fun fact, according to the Bitcoin protocol, Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a Bitcoin. Oh my God, why do you do this to me? (laughs) Bitcoin doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a Bitcoin, right? Excellent. uh, Technically speaking. This is great. This is wonderful news. Well, Well, what is a Bitcoin? What, when you have a Bitcoin, what do you really have? Oh, Christ. Um, what do you have? You have a... See if you can answer unit, it at home before she does. A unit of value. Purchasing power? Purchasing power? She said purchasing power. Oh. A piece of... A, a, yeah, a unit of value. What's that unit of value called? Satoshi? You have a Satoshi. Okay. A Bitcoin is just 100 million Satoshis. Oh. I see what you're saying. So what it's the heck? It's an abstract unit of account that we made up because 100 million is a huge fucking number. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. Hold up, hold up, hold up. So who made up the name Bitcoin then? Somebody was just like... Well, Satoshi made up the name Bitcoin, but Bitcoin describes the protocol. And we'll, you'll hear this on a show either in the future or past or something when we talk about like decentralization and all that like what is what's the whole purpose of all this right yeah so bitcoin is a network it's just a network the the bitcoin that that's what the name it represents the network which includes Mm. the protocol and all that Mm -hmm. the protocol itself the actual software only recognizes satoshis you don't send bitcoin you send satoshis this is very important to understand. Oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind right now. Well, it's not that complicated, right? If you have a dollar, what do you really have? A hundred pennies. You just have a hundred pennies. So if you have a hundred dollars, what do you really have? I don't well, know, 10,000 ten- pennies or something like that? Right. So you're really just talking about how can I, how can I transfer pennies mm-hmm. without dealing in pennies? And so you make these bigger units, mm-hmm. dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, fifty dollars. So essentially, there could be, there could even be names that are not there yet for. Oh yeah, there's a big debate. There's a Satoshi's. big debate amongst the harder core Bitcoiners on what do you actually call these units? Do we call them like a, a, a megabit? Do you call it a, you know all these different? What's the units? That's kind of fun to be able to name that. Well, go join that party. It's, <laughs> you won't think it's fun after you hear some of these, uh, how, how personal some of these debates get. The only, oh, the only two agreements we have in the community is there's a Bitcoin, which is 100 million Satoshis, and there's a Satoshi. Yeah. Which is all the Bitcoin network recognizes is Satoshis. This is crucial to understanding That's so ordinals. That's interesting. Okay. So, that being said, when I send you a Bitcoin... I'm really sending you 100 million Satoshis. Oh, 100 million. Okay. Right? When a miner wins 6.25 Bitcoin, they're really winning and don't <laughs> have to Whatever that math. is, times 100 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 600 something, 700 million Satoshis or something. Wow. Right? Okay. So imagine, so the Bitcoin network operates in pennies, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah. All right, so <laughs> they're penny stocks. <laughs> when I'm handing you, think of going to a bank, right? And you're gonna, you want to transfer all your pennies over to the bank. You're gonna dump all the pennies on the counter, and, then, and what's the teller gonna do? Oh, you better put those in some. Well, she'll probably you that, but assuming <laughs> she's gonna take the first one, yeah, and count it one, two, yeah, three. Oh no, that's an ordinal. 
That's exactly what ordinals are doing. It's saying, all right, look, whenever you send a transaction, mm -hmm. right, whenever a Bitcoin is mined, the, the 6.25, the subsidy, mm -hmm. when those come in, right, they have an order that they get put in. And so what an ordinal, what the protocol does, mm -hmm. is it just arbitrarily signs a number to each Satoshi as it's being sort of Like in. for fun? Or like this sounds like... Well, it actually has some cool use stuff you could okay. do with it. But it's basically saying like, all right, the very first sat that mm -hmm. makes it in that block, mm -hmm. well, that's first in, that gets the first number. That's number one. Mm -hmm. The second one, that's number two. Third one, that's number three. Right, that all the I way get. up to a hundred, all, all the way up to six point two five. Right, right. But then, because you're doing first in, basically, it's called first in, last out counting. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. So the first, well, it's first out. Sorry, not first in, first out. So the first Satoshi getting sent out, mm -hmm. that's the order of the numbering. So it's first so, out, first in. First out, last. Something like that. First out, first in, yeah. Mm -hmm. So because you're doing the numbering like this and every block has a number, mm -hmm. right? You just read out today's block of 809,000-something, right? Yeah. So now I can go backwards all the way to block zero, the Genesis block. Oh, my God. And so I can start there and I can say, like, all right, Satoshi, when he mined the very first block, he got 50 Bitcoin. Right. That's really 50 times 100 million Satoshis. Mm-hmm. And so what's the very first Satoshi? That's one. Yeah. And now I'm going to count up from there. And then you just keep counting every new block. You just plus one that number, right? Jesus. So it's yeah. just numbering them. Okay. That's all an ordinal is doing. Do we have enough numbers to support that? <laughs> uh, yes. Because luckily numbers go infinite. All you have to do is add a new zero. Jeez, Louise. So okay. Um, so yes, there there will numbers. be trillions and trillions of uh, quadrillions. Maybe I mean trillion is a bigger number than most people imagine. So I don't know if we're gonna leave the trillions, but maybe. Um, Jeez. Numbers get hard after that. So ordinals subdivides them. The ordinals have this thing, these thing called. Uh, Oh, what do they call it? Like degrees, like longitude, latitude, and degrees when you're trying like to do that location? in a map. Sort of like a location degree, right? So the very last number in the location degree, that's the actual let me go the other way. They've they've broken the Bitcoin blockchain up into these different sections, right? You have like these I don't remember all the terms, but like the biggest one is like when the Oh man. <laughs> it's like broken up into something that hasn't happened yet and it's not going to happen for like another 10 years then there's like we talked about the difficulty adjustment right right so that's the smallest unit so every 2016 blocks mm -hmm. that's one of those coordinates and mm -hmm. then there's a halvening right so that's a bigger coordinate mm -hmm. so like all right every halvening here's one so it's easier to find so it's even you don't have to do you're not thinking about 10 trillion satoshi number 10 trillion oh, okay. it has this coordinate that might be like zero one zero three one ninety so, so like zero would be that big unit of account one would be the halvening we've had three halvenings we're getting ready for the fourth one mm -hmm. next year right mm -hmm. so it'd be like zero three because it's, we're in the third halvening yeah uh 
17 because within since that happening we've had 17 difficulty adjustments that makes a lot more sense it's like a serial number so you can yeah. locate where where, Satoshi. where it is and what it's what it's been up to correct and so now you just have this cool numbering thing yeah but i say that's arbitrary and it doesn't matter and nobody can change it because you can get him to take that down and stop all that math and nobody recognizes the math i could come over here and build a last out last in last out yeah like right flip it, yeah. i could just flip it so like he uses like if you're familiar with hexadecimal right <laughs> no. if you're familiar with decimal <laughs> which is what we use to count with one two three four five right okay you're probably familiar with binary which is what computers use that only uses zero and one okay right okay um he used this other number um that's similar to that so hexadecimal is what you would use for like colors you'll see like if you ever use Photoshop oh. or something, it'll have like a FFF036 uh, yeah. yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So he used one that maps to like the alphabet hmm. or something. And so he just numbered them backwards. Ordinals, that way he created it. The very last sat that will ever be mined, right? There'll be one sat. Right. Because at that time, you'll get one sat per block as yeah. the subsidy. Yeah. So he went to the very last that sat crazy. And, and numbered that A. And then the second to last sat is B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way up to Z. And then you start using these like hexadecimal AA, type things. Well, it would be like zero 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 A A, zero 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 A B, zero zero. Right? It just yeah. goes backwards, all the way to the Genesis block with the very first sat, and that's like the highest number. So that's you how like you do this numbering. Whoever gets like any of the like A B C like the solid letters mm-hmm. you think that's going to be like a more valuable set yeah, we're than... getting to that we're getting to that oh, okay so you see how he did the numbering right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he just made all this stuff up the guy mm-hmm. who created ordinals he made it all up it, it's inconsequential to bitcoin bitcoin doesn't care right bitcoin doesn't keep order of its sats right it's, it's just, an arbitrary it's, yeah. numbering system just yeah. because he calls the last set i got you know number 50 mm-hmm doesn't mean bitcoin recognizes it as number 50 right it's arbitrary it would be like the humans who are using it are recognizing it and assigning a potential value correct because like i said he numbered it sort of backwards going from the last sat to the first Mm -hmm. i could decide to do the same i could do the anti-ordinal right right, and i could number from the first set to the last Mm. and now it just becomes you as a user which one of those numbering systems do you want to use bitcoin doesn't care on right and place value on right Right. So that's all ordinals are. Ordinals are like harmless to that degree. Right. Because anybody can arbitrarily create some kind of numbering system for it. Um, It's not favorable for any user to want to do that because for Bitcoin specifically and for most for any monetary value, especially crypto, Mm -hmm. um, it's important to have some form of fungibility. A lot of people confuse fungibility and privacy or fungibility and, um, and uh, anonymity. Fungible just means you can take one unit and trade it for another. Right. Right? Right. Um, dollars are fungible. Right. Because dollars, dollars all have unique serial, the but they have unique serial numbers. Oh, Every dollar has you. So this but, is what I'm saying. But does that matter? Well, no. But I'm just trying to be very clear on the fungibility yeah. argument, right? Mm-hmm. People will say like, "Well, Bitcoin's not fungible because I can track it." You could track a dollar. It yeah. has a unique serial number. Yeah. It doesn't change the value transfer, which is really when people say think something's fungible. That's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Having one dollar doesn't shift anything 
towards towards its value and what you can do with it, right? It doesn't right. matter that serial number, right? right? Because if you tried to give me a dollar for my five dollar, that would not, I would not be having that, right? But if <laughs> if if ever we had thirty people in here and everyone threw one dollar on the table and we right. all just picked a random dollar, yeah, we'd we be all okay. walk away with the same thing we yeah, came with, yeah. right? Right. So the the downside of an ordinal is it shifts that fungibility in the wrong direction. So you'll have a like a Monero fanatic, um, and, and they're oh. justified to be fanatics. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. Um, privacy is important. I, I um, see where you're But, right, they're going to say, well, you can't even do that with Monero because yeah. of how it works. Same thing if you right. have, like, somebody with Zcash and you turn the switch on, right? You have that sort, that sort of higher level of fungibility oh yeah would 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 um like something like monero or no would like a tornado thing would tornado that cash? would that mess up the ordinal number correct yes because bitcoin the protocol doesn't care right. about the ordering right right and so we're going to get to that so now we have an understanding of what ordinals are, right? Yeah. It's an arbitrary numbering system, and that's really all it is. Yeah. There's some cool things you could do with it. Yeah. But in and of itself, it's harmless for the most part. It doesn't. It definitely doesn't do anything to the Bitcoin network. Right. Right. Proper. Right. Now you have inscriptions. So inscriptions is saying, all right, now that you can number a Satoshi, I can make it not fungible. I could have this non-fungible Satoshi. And a Satoshi is just sort of like a token. Mm -hmm. So I have this non-fungible token. Mm. I have this NFT. I see. So it would, well, I guess it could also be compared, instead of just calling it, well, NFT, non-fungible token, but I guess it could be compared to like having um, a quarter that was made out of silver versus a quarter that was made today. And like you know that it's made out of silver based on the date that it was produced, and so now that quarter is more valuable than than the newer quarter. Than another quarter, yeah, right. So here's how the inscription works, right? Yeah, that's sort of how that works. You, now that I have this arbitrary numbering system, I can say, all right, I can look at my wallet and I can say, all right, I have Satoshi number thirty-two. I'm using very small numbers, right? Um, so we can just follow along. But I have Satoshi number thirty-two. Mm -hmm. Now that I know I have Satoshi number 32 and I have the power of SegWit and Taproot, mm -hmm. what I can do directly on the Bitcoin blockchain is push in this metadata. Because you can do more than if you've ever sent a Bitcoin transaction with any kind of uh, non-exchange wallet. There's like a little memo you can add into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can add a note. I can put data inside of a SAT. So would that memo be an inscription? You're inscribing data right. onto a Satoshi using an ordinal numbering system. Inscribing, inscribing meaning like, like is an writing. inscription, right? I'm writing data. What data am I writing? It could be words. Yeah. It could be what's a picture. If I was doing like a monkey picture, what is that really? Like a, a JPEG. It's just a string of code. Yeah. Right. If you ever right click on a picture and say show source, you're yeah. just looking at a string of code. Yeah. I can now copy that string of code and throw it inside of that Satoshi. I've just added a picture onto a sat. I've inscribed this picture mm -hmm. onto a sat. Now that's in the blockchain. That's interesting. So you could send. So it's like Bitcoin texting. 
Yeah. I mean, Bitcoin is just <laughs> a, a, another fun fact. People think, like, call Bitcoin money and all that. Yeah. Bitcoin is just a communication protocol. It's not you need money. To stop with that. It's communication. <laughs> what are you communicating? The transfer of, of value. value. It oh, is a text wow. message, except you're typically, it's not built to send arbitrary messages, although you can shove an arbitrary message in there. Mm -hmm. It's built to represent value. I want to transfer X amount of value to this user. Because Bitcoins don't really move around, right? Could you use it to like store your passwords and then it'd be like super secure? <laughs> that would be the most insecure thing oh, you could really? ever do. Oh, okay. You're, it's an immutable public ledger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they, okay. Yep. <laughs> You're letting everybody see your password. You're, you're proving to everybody what my password is. Here it is yeah. for the world to see. <laughs> okay, just kidding. So do not inscribe your passwords. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do want to inscribe your passwords, like your banking account, send it to me first, and I'll inscribe it. Oh, I'll make yeah. sure once it goes to the public, yeah, there's yeah. nothing there to steal. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So that's what an inscription is. And so you may ask, well, why the hell did you waste 20 minutes talking about SegWit and Taproot and all that other stuff? Mm -hmm. Right? And so this is not new. NFTs on Bitcoin was like the very first thing besides money that was done on Bitcoin. Like in 2000 and maybe 10. Yeah? Yeah. Ethereum didn't create NFTs. Bitcoin did. Oh, news It was flash, the folks. first thing they used, that was used for Bitcoin besides actual transferring of Bitcoins was... NFTs. It was called color coin. I kind of hate color that NFTs in my brain are like synonymous with like clip art mm -hmm. because that's not what it is. It's not what it is. It was, the idea like was the domain name. Like, they were like, oh, I'm you know learning. what else you could do with Bitcoin? You could like do domain names. We can get rid of the whole DNS system, the dot com system, mm -hmm. which is a very centralized system. Mm -hmm. We could do it with the same assurities of that centralized system. But we could do it in a um, in a peer to peer fashion. We don't need a central authority to issue domain names. We oh could yeah, do it like without paying the for them and stuff. Is that what you You'd mean? always you always want to pay for. It. It's not about eliminating payments. It's about eliminating a central authority. Just like what Bitcoin solved wasn't peer to peer payments necessarily. It was needing a middleman to help ensure like a double spend didn't happen. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with domain names. It's like, how do I make sure you're the only one with the domain name? Well, you need a central a central party giving out the domain names to make sure I don't give the same domain name to more than one person. Mm, and the domain name would be the number of that. So if you could make a sat, sat. Yeah. If you can make a sat unique somehow. Mm -hmm. Now, they did it differently. They didn't use ordinal theory Right, they didn't do it the numbering system. Oh, okay. They they used it different because remember that's arbitrary. Right, because I'm just thinking if you can inscribe on Sats, what's stopping us both from I, me having uh, the document? Nothing stops that inscription one and you having one. And now there's two. No, nope, that's but that's missing the point of what an NFT can do. Okay, and no matter what network, okay. right? An NFT isn't about ensuring because even though we have the same image or mm -hmm. text message mm -hmm. my text message is tied directly to satoshi number 38 your identical text message is tied to satoshi number 72 okay so that numbering or whatever you're using to make those tokens non-fungible 
that is what makes it unique. It doesn't matter it's the same message. The the actual token piece is always going to be unique. You can't shove your message into token number 32. And if Chan, the super producer, ever wants that my version, all we have to confirm is I'm number 32. It doesn't matter that there's 5,000 other copies out there. None of them are number on, t- on SAT number 32 or on Ethereum. None of them have the exact same smart contract address. There right? are so, so there, many questions ways to be in unique. my head right now. All right, so let's let's dial it back and keep with just with the inscription part. We can do like an NFT part two yeah, general thing because that, that applies to all of them, right? So with the inscription piece, right, that's it uses that numbering system and it says, look, if everybody everybody who respects the ordinal numbering theory, the way that number remember he start he ended yep. with A and starts all the way go back, right? Yep. So as long as all of us recognize that numbering system, we can now put stuff in the Bitcoin blockchain and recognize it. So yeah, people think when they hear NFTs pictures, but theoretically you could do everything from you know the what is it, the holy grail of it all, which is like land deeds. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can put your land deed on the chain. You could use it for like like we said, DNS. Maybe you just want a social media handle that's unique. Yeah. So here's how you can get your own unique social media handle right you can inscribe it to a specific set right yeah so there's a lot of things you can do with it i can't understand how that can work but i I hear like it's one of those again i i understand what you're saying in a sense but Mm -hmm. i am not understanding like how does that work like how does how does the satoshi connect to like let's say twitter like well it doesn't to make sure that that you connects to the satoshi right so what happens is how do i know you own the bitcoin you own how do the um, ledger and and me having the key? You have the key. Only you control the key. Right. So only you can sign on behalf of that key. So this would be a world where Twitter is connected to the the blockchain, and Twitter uses the blockchain blockchain to verify all usernames. Right. So I want to log into Twitter. You can't just pop on and just type in a a username without having the the key. key. I have to sign. This is how like MetaMask works. If you use Ethereum or anything, this is how like MetaMask works. When you go to the website, Mm -hmm. instead of you giving it a username and password and it saying, yep, you check out, you can come in. Mm -hmm. If you're doing Web3, Mm -hmm. quote unquote Web3 stuff, Mm -hmm. what's happening is you go to a website, you're not asking the website permission to see your information. The website is asking you permission. It it hits your wallet and says, hey. Can you prove you're this user? Mm-hmm. And if I'm the only one with my private key, I can sign a transaction. I'm the only person who could do that. Sign the transaction, and it's like, oh, that's you. I've now given permission for the web app to see my data mm-hmm. and for them to link. And, and now, I can withdraw that permission because I'm the only one who can sign. And can you move your data? Can you like be like, okay, here's my data, but like I only want you to like see this portion of the, my data? Nope. That will... Is that too much? Yeah, let's not get into that part. Because <laughs> okay. that's more of, of an NFT general thing. Okay, okay, okay. Stick, sticking with inscriptions, though, inscriptions run the exact same way. A criticism of NFTs on other systems is that those pictures mm-hmm. don't really live on chain because the data is so big. Mm. It would make that is it becomes hugely expensive, and so what most people do is give some details. They'll write some text about it, mm-hmm. and then they'll provide a link to some other website 
where the picture actually sits. It's being stored. Or the, whatever data the NFT represents actually gets stored, which means the, the thing people want yeah. isn't even on chain. Which means me, if I sold you an, an NFT, yeah. but I put the picture on my own private server, once you pay me for it, you can't stop me from switching the picture around. Right. Right. Oh yeah. So it's like okay. Because you don't own the picture, you own whatever's in that data. So let's let's say like a board ape. Like let's say you own like a, a board ape or like a crypto mm-hmm. punk or something, and you were like, maybe I don't know if you would say malicious or what, but like you wanted it. You were like, eh, I just want to. I want I want this to be the same value, but I want it to have my face on it. Right. Well, this is where crypto punks on NFT. Would it still have the same value? Well, crypto punks are embedded into the the Ethereum blockchain. So if you bought a crypto punk, mm-hmm. that picture is on the blockchain, but it's really expensive to do. So most what? NFTs are not on the blockchain. But some are. But some very few are. Okay, so. But on Bitcoin, oh Jesus, okay. all of them are right. because. While you only have a one meg block size, mm-hmm. SegWit allowed you to use two megs. And then, and then Taproot allows you to use four. Right. So I can now take a picture that's up to four megabytes mm-hmm. and I can shove it basically into the data, into a block. And my one inscription would take up the whole block. So when you look at a block, you might see one transaction. Oh, but it's wow. four megs. Yeah. Because I took that. I was willing to pay a miner yeah. for guaranteeing me the whole block. That would be like $4,000 in fees, though, wouldn't it? Because you got to beat. I have to beat whatever else what? they could make. Yeah. Yes. That's what they do. Holy Toledo. So, 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 so now, so wait, okay, hold on. So now that also adds to the value of that NFT. Of that non fungible well, it gives you a core inscription, I guess. cost price. Would it right. be an NFE, a non fungible inscription? Well, inscriptions are with an I, so it would be an NFI. But well, whatever. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it'd still be an NFT, and you probably want to drop it because it's still different, um, which that can be like what our Ordinals Part 2 conversation. Okay, well, if it becomes a thing, you've heard it here first, okay? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Give, give, give proper credit. Um, so, yeah, an inscription. Puts it in there. And so now the debate is now this directly affects the Bitcoin blockchain because now you're you're making bloat. Right. And one of the reasons Bitcoiners don't want blocks to be bigger. And there mm-hmm. are some Bitcoiners who actually want it to be smaller blocks. Right. They want it to be smaller than a meg. Right. OK. And one of the reasons is um, it's very important. If you want a network mm. that's peer-to-peer and you want individuals to verify it, so we have to use that evil decentralization word. <laughs> if you want individuals to be able to confirm their own transactions, mm-hmm. you have to keep the blockchain small enough for them to download, an average user yeah. to be able to download. Yeah. Bitcoin's been out for going on 15 years wow. soon, okay. right? The entire size of the Bitcoin blockchain is under 500 gigabytes. Okay. All right. So I don't if you know what that means or not, but you can't buy a computer. You can't buy a consumer computer with smaller than 500 gigabyte hard drives anymore. That's like the standard, mm. right? Okay. So your average user can just download the entire Bitcoin blockchain. If you were to buy a, a hard drive, it costs you a couple hundred bucks, yeah. right? Um, for 500 gigs, compared to the Ethereum blockchain, which allows you to do so much more stuff, mm-hmm. right, on it. But that blockchain, if you download the entire chain, mm-hmm. all data, mm-hmm. both of these are all data syncs. Mm-hmm. If you want all the data from the day one to current day, now Ethereum's only been running since like 2016. 
So okay. it's been running about half the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's blockchain is something like one point. It's more than one and a half terabytes. It's like three to four times bigger than the Bitcoin blockchain. Been around half the time. So, it's mo- it's a lot harder for users. Right to sync. So the barrier to entry for running a node is higher on Ethereum than on Bitcoin. Yes. And so then it becomes um, potentially a situation where only people who can afford the storage space can now have access to the open source ledger. Correct. Oh, look at me go. Look at, look Whoa, at that. That was like Boom. real nice, huh? So I'll be retiring this week <laughs> with our new... Yeah, right. Get out of here. <laughs> um, Correct. And so this is why people are freaking out about inscriptions on Bitcoin, because if everybody's utilizing that 4 meg limit, mm-hmm. if we start seeing 4 meg, 2 meg, 3 meg... Right, it adds up. Now the block, gets, the block sizes get bigger, the blockchain gets bigger, faster, yeah. exponentially, it becomes harder. But this is the joy of... Segwit. Oh, is it? So here's a benefit of Segwit. Remember I said Segwit allows you to double that block space Mm -hmm. if you want. Right. Oh, yeah. And so I can say like, all right, I want the whole blockchain, but the only piece of the Segwit portion I need is the final hash, right? I'm not, even in a regular non-inscription world, when I'm looking at all the data inside of the SegWit portion of a block, yeah, right, it's sort of data that's irrelevant because as long as the hash is accurate, that's all I really need, right? Yeah. I don't need all the rest. Like you need the link that gets you the rest of the information. Yeah, the hash, because I just need to confirm the block. Nobody's really looking at every single transaction and being like, well, how do I feel about this particular transaction? I care. That there was a consensus the Bitcoin, that said that this block. Well, not just consensus. Did the person who signed, who signed it, did the, the, the rightful key holder sign it, and have they, did they previously assign the same Satoshis to somebody else? Did they try to double spend? Mm. That's all I'm really checking. And the hashes tell me all that stuff, right? Okay. So SegWit is a way to j- throw a bunch of fee, a bunch of extra transactions in there, but all I really care about is like the hash of that, right? Okay. And so... If I'm anti-inscription, which I sort of am myself, okay, um, I don't want that extra bloat. I don't want it on my node. I don't really want it on the Bitcoin network. I don't want it anywhere, right? Bloat. That's not how I feel Bitcoin bloat should be used. you don't want to store all this extra data. I don't want to store your data. Yeah. I want to verify your transactions. Right. And so I have the option, even accepting SegWit, to say, look, when you see a block, when you see some stuff that came from SegWit, mm-hmm. just grab the hash. All mm-hmm. the extra stuff, screw that. Ignore it. Don't store it on mine. And now st- my node is not keeping your redundant monkey pictures or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever data you're throwing on there. My node doesn't recognize any of that. It's like, all right, you did some kind of transaction, whatever. Is I don't that, care about that. Is that, that. going to mess with like the trust piece? Hence why I say they're not really NFTs, because mm. at least on Ethereum, like CryptoPunk is a good example. CryptoPunk, the entire NFT lives on the blockchain. None of a CryptoPunk is off-chain. It's okay. all on-chain. Okay. Right? That is the quintessential NFT. You either got it 
or you don't. Yeah. There's no pruning it. There's no taking it off. If you're running like, an ethereum that's what node, it should be. it's there. Okay. It is immutably there, which is the value of an NFT, immutability. Once it's there, it's there, mm-hmm. right? On Bitcoin, well, A, any user who doesn't want it, like me, I'm just going to prune it. So when you look right. at if if I'm if the world catastrophe something happens and mine is the last known standing, <laughs> yeah, your NFT doesn't exist. Yeah, because because yeah. not on my node. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's on top mi- information of, missing. There's yeah. information missing. On top of, let's say I love inscriptions. I think they're the best thing ever. I hate ordinal theory, so I use the anti-ordinal theory. Again, your inscription doesn't exist in my world because I don't recognize your numbering system. So it's almost like different languages. Correct. There's a lot of consensus that has to happen for all of this to work. Unlike the, the, the purest idea of an NFT is only, even if it's on Bitcoin, it's like trying to find a way within the protocol to recognize this and then shove it in the protocol. That's what makes it immutable. Other than that, it's just more like a community consensus. And you could be good with all that. I'm not saying like, all right, so don't ever use any of this stuff. If you like it, you like it. But these are the risks, right? You have to you have to hope that the world, the, the majority of people will continue to want the numbering system you're using because that's yeah. arbitrary to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then you got to hope enough people want to keep that extra data you're cramming in Right. In order to make the thing you put on there immutable, because if you put your house deed. Right. Right. Let's say that's the NFT you're using and you're using that as an inscription, but nobody's keeping that data. Right. That's just like not having it in the first place. If it's only you and like two jack offs, then it is what it is. Yeah. And then when that's you trusting that. That's putting a lot of trust in. That means it's not immutable anymore. Yeah. It's the immutable part. One of the things that makes blockchain so, um, these systems so... um, Powerful, valuable. Powerful, right, is not only is it the censorship resistant, permissionless, and trustless, Mm -hmm. but it's immutable. You can't, that's part of the censorship resistance piece. You can't go back and change it without everybody seeing what you're trying to do. Yeah. Right? But if nobody has the data, it's not immutable. If nobody has the NFT data mm-hmm. because everybody pruned it from their node, then it's just you and maybe one other person. That's not very immutable. That's a lot of trust. Yeah. So what are ordinals? Oh, ordinals boy. is just a numbering system. Inscriptions is, in my opinion, a worse form of NFTs. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Yep. But if it's living on on chain, I don't know. I feel it's like not living on. It's it's living on one subsection of a chain that users have the option to ignore. Okay, and that's because Bitcoin is supposed to be just money. It's not about what it's supposed to be. It's about you're doing this using this portion of Bitcoin called Segwit. Right, right. I get that. And Segwit is optional. Right. It's that little tiny train behind the bigger. Yeah, train. if you go on to uh, transactionstreet.com, yeah. I think it is, yeah. to sort of see the visualization. Segwit on the Bitcoin side, you got the big bus train thing. That's the Bitcoin core network. Mm-hmm. Then you got this little caboose at the back of it. Right. And like That's for Segwit. an example, like you, you, you cut the caboose off. You just keep, you yep. just keep the, I don't the want hitch. It. Yep. All I got to know is that the caboose is there. 
I got verification that the caboose is there and there's 50 seats taken up in there. Yeah. That's all I need to but know. But who's in the caboose? We don't know. I, I don't know and I don't care because yeah. it doesn't change any fundamental facts that I need to confirm the block and know the block is legit. So it's all good. And so I ignore the caboose and you're hoping uh, most people care about what's in the caboose. I don't. Oh my gosh, I have so many more questions. Well, good. That sounds like prime for uh, part two. We yeah. can go more in depth. Oh, good God. Help me. Yep. But when you're I mean, saying it, ordinals are numbers, inscriptions yeah. are the worst NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I understand, but then I feel like I have so many more questions like to solidify my understanding. Mm -hmm. Good. That means you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. And if you also have more questions, how can they, how can our listeners reach out to us and ask? Let me pick up the pieces of my brain and put them back together. Put them back in there. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook at The Blockument, Twitter, um, TikTok. You can look on theblockument.com, find out where you can listen to us. We're on Spotify, Apple, Android, um, theblockument.com. We also have resources pertaining to this, which um, we'll probably will do that, that, what is it, Transaction Street? Yeah, I'll throw Transaction Street on there. Sure. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. So they can know what I'm talking about when I say the caboose of the train. They're like, uh, what uh, the what heck? The yeah. The hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, all right, so that's it. And until next time, yes. come for the riches. Stay for the revolution. Avoid the fake NFTs. All right, <laughs> peace. Peace. <laughs>